The IZ Robot Stuck at Home Show. Hey kids, if you're looking for me, you can find me on my knees praying to J.R. Bob Dobbs that the world becomes a better place, that things get better, that everything turns around, but you know what? It's gonna, everything's gonna be fine. It's gonna take a while. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take grit. It's gonna take perseverance, but eventually we will all be walking in the sun again, enjoying life. Man, what a week I have had, dude. I don't even want to complain, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna complain. Living here in Northern California, we are at like, uh, in the middle of our fire season. You guys know this, you follow the news and whatever, and one of the, uh, one of the preventative measures that PG&E, that's our power company, does is when, when we get racked by the Diablo winds, that's just like yearly event we have, where it's just like these dry, hot winds blow through, right, and there have in the past, like, knocked over power poles, starting fires, blah, 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 when these happen, one of the things they do is they'll turn off, they'll turn off the power for the day in the regions that might be affected, they're in the process of, like, moving all the power lines under the ground, but until they do so, they do these, like, preventative power turnoff gimmicks, and, like, we are right at the edge of one of the areas, like, you've heard me say I live in Rankin Valley, and we're right near the hills, but we're, like, we're right on the edge of a risky area, and they always, 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 always turn off our power. So I had like, I had like a two-day stretch with no electricity at all. It wasn't, it wasn't awful. We're well prepared. I don't have a generator, but I have like this big workplace battery I talked about on the last episode. It's fine. We can power everything we can do. It's not like, it's not like you're going to die without electricity, dude. You can make it. It's cool. We read books, sit around, listen to tapes. It's cool, man. It's like it's like going back to the old days. But what it does is it kind of stops me from being able to work on the show, stops me from doing a lot of things that I want to do. And it's just like, it's just like whack in that regard. And then, and then the next day, like completely coincidentally, the phone company was doing work on our internet. So we were without internet for two whole days, dude. It was like, it was like the perfect storm. It was like Staramageddon on uh, The Office. It was just like everything was coming together at once, but it's fine. I survived. I'm here. It's all good in the hood. But uh, let's see what's going on. I got a box right here. I got a box that I'm going to open for you guys. Let me reach over here and grab the uh, the patented Arthur Fonzarelli brand switchblade. Shout out to Engineer Nerd. Let's uh, let's cut into this box right here. It is coming from Garden Grove, California. That's that's down south. I live up north. Let's see what we got inside of here. It's very, very well packaged box. Very small box. Very kind of cool. I I can't get through this tape easily. Let me see. I don't want to. I don't want to um, slice myself because the Arthur Fonzarelli switchblade is able to cut at the atomic level. If you get if it comes in contact with your skin, you're done for, dude. It's like the Excalibur of Switchblades. Let me see. I think I'm I think I'm through here. Let me shut that. Let's see what's inside here. Oh, great. Packing peanuts. What I love more than anything in the world. I I'm kidding. I hate them. I hate packing peanuts, but they do they do do the trick. You know what? Instead of packing peanuts, my guys, why don't you just use like a ball of newspaper? Like just get like a piece of paper and wrap it up around the outside. It's fine. It's about the same, but uh, whatever, dude, whatever floats your boat, but you're not going to get a positive from me if you use packing peanuts. You're not getting a negative. I'm not that kind of guy. I will just not give you any feedback at all, but uh, let's see what we got here. It's sealed. It's sealed inside one of those plastic envelopes that you use when you have like a packing slip. You know what I'm talking about? Like you stick the, uh, no, that's not. Let's see what it says here. Warning. Keep this bag away from babies. Do not place in cribs. That's always a good idea. Let's... Let's see, at least they're like reusing that bag. I can I can agree with that. You know what? 
I'm gonna reuse this bag too, dude. I'm gonna take this bag, put it in the big bag I have of bags, and I will use it when I walk the dog and I have to pick up some of the dog waste. Isn't it weird that, like, you pick up dog waste inside of a plastic bag? Because, like, dog waste is biodegradable, dude. And you're taking it and you're putting it inside of a bag that's gonna, like, last for all eternity. I've tried, I've tried to use, like, paper bags. I've tried to use, like, newspaper and any number of things to kind of, to kind of make it more of a biodegradable package. And I haven't really got any success with anything. So until I do, I'm using these bags. I've tried, like, I've tried, they, they sell these, like, biodegradable bags that you can use for the waste. But they... They tear really easily, and while I'm walking around with a bag of turd in my hand, I don't want to, um, I don't want to, like, have a risk getting on me, but what I have inside my hand is a G.I. Joe that goes by the name of Lady J. Lady J is one that I've never had unopened. I do have her, I have her on the card, and that's kind of a fun story that I'll tell in a minute. She is the, she is the G.I. Joe covert mission specialist. She's like a spy. She wears disguises, I guess. I guess her storyline is that she used to be a model who then decided to join the army. That happens all the time. But she decided to do that, and they they uh, gave her, you know, the skills to pay the bills, and now she's on the G.I. Joe team. She has a gun that's like a javelin, which is kind of weird. I guess it's supposed to be, like, it's supposed to be silent, but it's it's enormous, dude. But I, I like her. I've wanted her for a while. She's one of, like, the key characters on the show that I don't have, but um, she's not... She's not honestly one of my favorite figures of all the time. She wears like this goofy baseball hat, which I don't, which I don't understand. I've seen people online mold completely different heads for her that are made uh, without the hat. Just her hair, but uh, I got her, I got her dirt cheap. Check it out. One day I was on eBay and for whatever reason, eBay sent me a coupon. I guess for being such a good customer, they sent me a coupon for $25 and like I applied it for this. I found a Lady J that was like $28.99 free shipping, so I got this one for like $3. I'm really, really happy about that. That's really, really super dope. The the one I have on the card, I got at the flea market like many, 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 many years ago. This might be like 15, 20 years ago. We went, we actually went late. We went late in the day, which I wasn't like really happy about. But then we got there, this guy had a full-on great condition carded Lady J sitting right on his table. I couldn't believe it. I went up to guy... And I'm thinking he's going to charge him like 50 bucks. And I was going to pay it, dude. I was going to pay it. But I go, hey, man, how much is this? He goes, I don't know, $7. And I'm like, deal. And then as soon as I paid him, he goes, hey, I undercharged you. I saw how quick you uh, grabbed it. Did I Did I undercharge you? And I went, yeah, but don't worry, bro. Not by a lot. Because I, I didn't want him to feel bad. And then, but I, I still have it. It's up on the wall. Let's see. She's up on the top, the top level with the uh, carded figures. Let's look up Lady J in my handy dandy G.I. Joe guide. I don't know what year she came out. I'm thinking 1985, just off the top of my head. Let's see if I am correct. Flip, flip, flip in through the guide. We're going to look, see what we can find. Yeah, I was actually right. How, how cool of me. I'm becoming, becoming more of an expert every day. Something to be proud of. Lady J, covert operation, includes power javelin, surveillance camera, and backpack. Lady J, prototype codenames, Lady Shay. Lady Shay spelled differently. Shady Lady and Sprite. I kind of like Shady Lady, but whatever. She received her undergraduate education at Bryn Mawr College. She's an elite, highly effective woman operative. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. She went to a uh, school in Dublin where she acquired the faint Gaelic lilt in her accent. Something that was never brought up in the Sunbow cartoons. Da, 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 da. Lady Shay was Gaelic. That was uh, part of the gimmick there. Also on the show, she... Uh, she has kind of like this romance going on with our guy Flint. I've been rereading some of the comics at the behest of our guy Gino Vega for the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. And I 
I think it was like issue 53. I started at issue 50, which is the Battle of Springfield. That's one of my favorite, favorite, favorites. It's one of the best of all the times in space. I started there, and then a couple episodes after that, the Cobras respond to G.I. Joe's assault on Springfield by assaulting the pit. That's the uh, G.I. Joe headquarters. And before the battle starts, you see Flint making moves on Lady Shay. He's like in the woods making moves on her. He's like, what's up, baby? You want to go out sometime? And she's like, maybe I might want to. I don't know. I'm kind of busy being an operative in G.I. Joe, but I, I could see maybe that could happen. And as they're talking, a bunch of Cobra eels arise from the water. Lady Shay escapes. But Flint dives in, starts fighting with them, punch, 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 trying to give her the chance to escape. It's very, very sweet, very nice. She's a cool figure, though. I do want to have her in my collection, but I I don't like this little baseball hat. I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of goofy. I, I don't know, man. If, we're, if you're like, if you're like a fashion model, I guess maybe this is like, maybe it's like a fashion hat. Maybe it's like a Johnny Versace kind of baseball hat. Let's see. Let's give her her little, uh, little camera. The camera's cute. Here, take your little camera. I guess so that she could film stuff when she's, like, spying on Cobra. Here, take this, and then let's give her her uh, javelin gun. The javelin gun isn't great, to be honest. And I gotta admit, I don't even know which end is the front. Both sides have a javelin on it, but, uh, that's all fine. It goes into her hands pretty, uh, pretty easily, and that's, that's cool. She's fine. I like her. I'm glad I didn't have to pay full price. I got her at such a cheap price that you can't beat it, dude. It's just amazing. Good for me. Good for life. Let's jump forward. In a sec, we're going to find out what Mr. Uh, Sensational Gino Vega had for lunch yesterday. But before we get there, let's take a little listen to a bit from the Sumbo cartoon. Here is like Lady J has been captured by Cobra. And they're like dipping her into a tank with a monster into it, a water tank. And there's like a monster down below. It's very scary. And in it, they imply that she might be related to Destro. Let's check it out. Let's just say I stumbled on your prayer meeting. Joe, agents do not just stumble upon things. Destro! Tell the truth or die. This is my ancestral home. Maybe we have an ancestor in common. I find that thought most distasteful. Lower her into the pit. Tell me the truth. Did Gino Vega have for lunch? ISR, it's me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, at Sensational Vega on the Twitter machine, uh, calling to let you know what I had for lunch yesterday. And uh, what I had for lunch yesterday, you know, we've been going through kind of a boom period over here, um, Sensational Manor, you know, uh, really, really living the high life, high rolling. So, uh, you know, yesterday I cruised on down to downtown Napa, and I purchased an order of um, yakitori uh, chicken skewers and uh, edamame, uh, truffle edamame. And I had that for lunch. It was just, just fine hot cuisine, as they, as they say. Because just living so large over here these days. Talk to you soon. That's dope, but dude, I'm glad to hear that you're living super large while I'm sitting around in the dark with no internet reading old G.I. Joe comics. I guess... I guess that shows the differences in our lives. I mean, we're friends, we're tight bros, we're like all that and then some, but it's like, he's living it up Napa style, dude. He has his own vineyard, he has his own mountain retreat, he's eating yakitori, he's eating edamame, truffle edamame, hot, 
Haut. I think that's H-A-U-T-E. Is that how you spell it, that kind of cuisine? I think that he's living it up in a way that I could never, not ever even imagine while, while it's all good, I guess. We all have our different, different lots in, uh, in life. Um, but, uh, hey, before we get, like, too, too far into this, I realized as soon as I recorded that last segment that I was actually factually mixing up Lady J and Cover Girl. Cover Girl is the one that was a model. She drove, like, a vehicle, like, a tank thing with, like, missiles on it and stuff. And Lady J is the one that wore green. So I apologize. I apologize for that. It was just, just a little bit of a brain fart by your guy right here. But, uh, you know how it is, dude. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I'm not Gino Vega, dude. I'm not absolutely 100% perfection. I'm not the reflection of perfection like Lex Luger back when he had, when he had a mirror in the ring. He was the narcissist. It was all, all important. Man, I'll tell you what. I could go... For a skewer right now. I'm, I'm a bit hungry. I, I took a little break in between doing these segments and I, I ate some cereal. We're going to talk about that cereal in a segment in a, uh, in a bit I like to call milky cereal. Listen to the rhythm flow. Oh yeah. Mm. Hey yo man. Ain't nothing like a nice bowl of cornflakes in the morning to smooth you out. Milky cereal. Baby. Milky. Cereal, baby. Milky. Cereal, baby. Milky. Cereal. Dude, go for Ready. it. Just relax and enjoy the ride. Ooh, peanut butter. Crunch for later, another egg chapter. A magical egg filled with my peanut butter crunch cereal. That sweet, tasty peanut butter crunch is gonna be ours. Whoa, the doggies! They're taking the peanut butter crunch first. Huh? Not while I'm top crunch. No, just wing them. <laughs> Peanut butter crunch is a yummy part of a complete breakfast. I'll tell you what, dude. That is an ill, ill commercial. Peanut butter crunch was dropped by Captain Crunch way back in 1969. And the way, the way they explained it was they had, they had this giant bird that was a mascot for the cereal. You had Captain Crunch, you had the Soggies, you had all kinds of guys. And one of the guys they hung out with was like this giant bird that came down and laid an egg. And inside the egg was the peanut butter crunch. That's how the peanut butter crunch was invented. I wonder if something comes out of an animal, is it automatically not vegan? Is it automatically not vegetarian? Even if like, even if it's like plant matter, if it's like, if it's like peanut butter and grain and sugar, but it came out of a, a bird's butt. Is it still, is it still considered to be like non-vegan? I don't know. That's a question for the ages, but I, I just ate. A big bowl of peanut butter crunch. We were over at Safeway and I got two boxes of cereal for $5. I got peanut butter crunch and Captain Crunch with the crunch berries, which is probably the better of the Captain Crunch varietals, even though Captain Crunch itself is delightful. It's delicious. It's great. But I, I really have a affinity for peanut butter flavored things. I love just like straight peanut butter. I love peanut butter cups. I love anything, anything peanut butter related. And this... This cereal really speaks to me in a big way, but I haven't had it in a while. I'm serious. I haven't had it in like years because the wife, the wife does the shopping. So she's the one who picks the cereal and she comes home with like Raisin Bran or Special K or Life or something like that. And those are all fine cereals. But when you gave your boy the chance to pick, he's coming home with like Fruity Pebbles, something like that. Golden Grams, uh, any number any number of delightful things. So this time I got the the peanut butter crunch, and I have to I have to say, since the last time I ate it, I really, really, really 
think that they have changed the recipe because I didn't find it to be all that peanut buttery. I I recall it being not not like creamy per se, but it had like a softer kind of bite than like a Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch is a very dense, very sharp cereal. You will cut the roof of your mouth up something awful eating Captain Crunch. So that doesn't that doesn't stop me. I love it. But the the peanut butter crunch was like a round ball, is like a round ball, but it had it had more like a soft, creamy texture, kind of kind of crunchy, but also soft, if that makes any sense. If you've ever eaten it, you know what I'm talking about. This but this this peanut butter crunch was like like hard. It was much, 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 much harder and denser than the normal Captain Crunch. And the peanut butter flavor wasn't overwhelming in the way that I recall. I went online and I started looking into it. And I found that uh, the Reese's cereal, this is what people say in the cereal sphere out there on the internet. A lot of people think that the way the Reese's peanut butter cereal is right now is much like the peanut butter crunch used to be. And that's that's weird to me. I always wonder why you go ahead and you change the recipe or something. I mean, when you get down to the root of any of these things, the answer is always money. Always, always money. There must have been like the price of peanuts was high. The price of peanut butter was high. So they decided, let's take some of the peanut butter down a notch. We'll add more wheat. We'll add more gluten. We'll make it crunchier, but it won't be as good to the connoisseur. It won't be as good to somebody like me. Over uh, over the years, Peanut Butter Crunch had a few interesting promotions. I'm having a hard time right now. It's it's smoky in the air. I'm sure that you guys know that if you're following the news right now. And like, my throat is really on um on jacked up because I'm just like I can't help but go outside. I'm like an outside guy. I don't like go outside and run around, but I do walk over to the Pokestop and do all kinds of stuff. And like, my throat is on on sore. So I apologize if like I apologize if I sound weird. But over the years, they had a uh, they had a balloon racer, and this is one that I, I distinctly remember having back in the day. It was a car. Like a little, I think they had like three or four different cars. And what, what the gimmick was that there was like a balloon and you'd blow up the balloon and attach it to like this, um, this like circular, uh, tube on the back of the car. And then as the, uh, as the air came out of the balloon, the car would like zoom across the living room. That was one that like I played with quite a bit. I thought it was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. They had a million dollar reward kind of gimmick where you would get like a prize card. I don't, I didn't win that one, sadly. They had like a fun mask of Captain Crunch in the back of the box. They had a microscope, like a little small plastic blue microscope. And then they had these um 3D glasses that I remember. There's like a 3D fake finder glasses. And what you would do is like on the back of the box, they had like this image and you would look at the, uh you would look at the characters on the box and blah, 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 blah. It was all, it was all fun. I, I really do enjoy this cereal, but I remember enjoying it like so much more back in the day, maybe, like, over time, I've become desensitized to the, uh, world of peanut butter thing, because it used to be, like, peanut butter things weren't, like, as common as they are now. Now, like, you can find them all over the place, but back in the, back in the olden days, it wasn't like peanut butter was everywhere. When I, when I looked and I saw that peanut butter crunch has been around since 1969, I gotta admit, I was a bit surprised. It's older, older than me, dude, when, when they decided that they were going to go all out and expand the Captain Crunch universe, I'm surprised that, like, the first place they went was peanut butter. As we know, we learned this in the last segment, the last uh, Milky Cereal segment, the first place they went, second place, rather, was to vanilla with the cake-flavored vanilla crunch. But I, I like peanut butter, like, 10,000 times more than I do cake. If you ask me, hey, man, you want to bite a cake? You want to bite a peanut butter? I'm going to go for the peanut butter every time. I'm just like a peanut butter addict. I find myself like, 
I wouldn't say sleepwalking, but I do have this habit of like getting up in the middle of the night and munching on things. And one of the things I'm always doing is like, I go and I get a spoonful of peanut butter. I can't help myself. I just cannot help myself. One thing that like I do all the time that I'm a bit embarrassed about is like, if we have chocolate chips in the house, I'll get a spoonful of peanut butter and put chocolate chips on top of it. It's just like so great. So amazing. So great. I love... I love the flavor of the peanut butter. I like the way it even like sticks on your mouth. Just like the texture. Just like everything about it is great. I hope, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. You guys hit me up. If there's a cereal you want me to talk about, I'll talk about it. I love talking cereal, dude. Cereal is one of my favorite things. We have three different cereals in there right now. We have a Pop-Tart cereal that I got at the uh, grocery outlet, the gross out. This was one that really didn't like stick around too long, but it's actually, it's actually quite good. It's kind of like... Imagine like a, uh, I'm trying to think what cereal it's closest to. It's kind of, kind of like a shredded wheat. You know how shredded wheat's kind of like a pocket sometimes. They'll put stuff on the inside. Imagine like a small, very small sort of shredded wheat pocket. But inside they have the Pop-Tart jelly. It's really, really quite good. Very sweet. Super sweet. I couldn't imagine eating this for like breakfast. But like a sweet treat. It's really great. And then we have Raisin Bran. All-time classic raisin brand. Nothing wrong with that, dude. The raisins are sweet enough to make it delightful. We got the peanut butter crunch. Oh, yeah, we got four. And then we also have the Crunchberry crunch. And it's all good. It's all good. I love cereals. Let's, uh, hit me up. Hit me up if you want me to talk about it at IC Robots on the tweet. I will talk cereal as long as you want. You are listening to the Stuck at Home Show. The revolution will not be televised. Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. While insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain the nudity. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me, I'm a WKRP in Cincinnati. Hey, this is me, and we are back. We're going to talk some WKRP. WKRP is one of my favorite sitcoms of all the time in space. And I recently I recently heard from a guy, Earl Green, from the uh, logbook.com, and he, he has some experience in small-time radio. And he told me, dude, that WKRP is, like, practically a documentary about what it's like to work in the small-time radio world. And I really... That really made me happy because uh, the show had like this real, real authentic feel to me. And as much as I wanted to, I never actually factually worked in the radio biz. So it was nice to hear from somebody who had some like professional experience to let me know that this was like, this was something that was really going down. Big shout out to Earl Green, logbook.com. Go check it out. It's an amazing site. Dude has a million great pods. He's an awesome guy. I wish him all the best in the world. But anyway, I think where we left off last time was somewhere around the turkey drop. The famous turkey drop episode where they do a Thanksgiving uh, promotion in which they throw some actual factual live turkeys out of a helicopter and they plummet to earth. People die. There are craters left in the earth. It's a catastrophe. Everything was whack. Like the earth spun off its axis. From the power of the turkeys colliding with the earth. I don't think any of that happened. I think that just like, I think some people got scared. But recently, this is seriously recently, like within the past couple days, it's kind of uh, some new information has come to light. And in the past, Hugh Wilson, the guy who created and wrote WKRP, had said that he had heard legend of some actual turkey drop type things happening in the past. But there was never, there was never any evidence of anything ever happening like that. But then this past week or so, somebody uh, 
Where is his name? I got it written down here. But somebody in the past few weeks unearthed some audio from a broadcasting symposium where somebody talked about something that may have been the actual factual impetus for the turkey drop. I got it right here. I have it on cassette. Let me, um, let me find it. Where? I got it here in the files somewhere. I, I recorded it when I, when I heard it. Let me, um, is this it yet? Yeah, no, this isn't it. This is, this is the Warriors movie soundtrack. Where is it? Is it here? I think it's underneath this Run DMC CD. Let me, oh, here it is. I got it on this one that says WKRP actual stuff. Let me, uh, let me insert it in there. Let's take a listen to that, and then I will be back in a sec. And so they asked me, what am I going to do? And I said, I got a great idea. They said, what is it? I said, I don't know. I haven't thought it up yet. The next morning we got together at breakfast. The idea was super. I fly airplanes. We're in the aviation business. And I wanted to keep the airplane tax deductible. So it was my idea to put a $100 bill around the right leg, a $100 bill around the left leg of a turkey. And then let the turkey glide down in the middle of the town with thousands of people down there waiting for the turkey. And I did. The Friday before Thanksgiving, we got up on the plane. I'm a ham. I radio down and says, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have the giant turkey glide in just a minute. You're going to win your Thanksgiving dinner to your turkey. It's going to be sensational. Thousands of people there. I told the kid in the back seat, I said, okay, let her go. He shoved the bird out. Down it went. Straight down. Didn't flap its wings once. Right through the roof of a ladies' ready-to-wear store. That was Chuck Bellinger. Chuck was the head of a radio station in Wisconsin. And he said that this all happened a couple years before the famous Turkey Drop episode. And he doesn't know if this was, this was exactly like the impetus for the episode. But he kind of has a feeling that like maybe the legend of it was what led to the episode. I got to think that like it had to have something to do with it, right? It had to. But who knows? At any rate, I... I like the idea of Homeboy, like, flying in this plane. In my head, he's flying, like, a biplane, like a Sopwith Camel. Like, he's Snoopy, and he has, he has, like, a headset, and he's broadcasting with the headset. There's somebody in the back, in what would be, like, the machine gunner position, and he's just like, turkey ho, throws it outside the window. Here in Santa Rosa, there are turkeys, like, all over the place. I'm not even kidding. They're just, like... They're walking free all over the place. And one time I was walking through this field and I could see, I could see a bunch of turkeys like way off in the distance, not even like way off, like two, 300 yards. And I had the dog and I said, Hey, let's, uh, let's run up on those turkeys and give them a scare. I don't know. It wasn't the nicest thing in the world, but I decided it would be fun. So me and her, we started running at them. And when they heard us coming, they flew, they flew up into the air and landed on the top of a tree. Now, they weren't, like, soaring through the air, but they they got up to the top of, like, a pretty substantial tree, and they stayed up there. And then I saw a couple of them, like, kind of kind of glide down from the tree into another tree. So while turkeys definitely aren't, like, airborne birds, they can sort of glide. They can sort of fly through the air. These weren't like, these weren't like giant, fat, like Thanksgiving turkeys, like big, fat, bulbous body turkeys with little legs. These were kind of smaller, more slim, like wild turkeys. And I, I think that had something to do with it. They had less, like, less uh weight to get up into the sky. But at any rate, I thought that was, I thought that was definitely something worth sharing. When I, when I saw that pop in my news feed, I thought that it was, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So let's see, where did we leave off? Right after 
the turkey drop was Love Returns. I know we talked about that one. That's when, like, a country singer comes into Andy Travis's life. And then the next episode, episode number nine, is a uh, clip show called Mama's Review, where she comes in, gives him uh, the big guy. The big guy, his uh, quarterly review. And then the next episode, number 10, was directed by the great, the all-time great, Asad Kalada. And this is called A Date with Jennifer. Man, my voice is starting to go out on me. This smonk is really, uh... Really getting to your guy. In this one, Les wins the Coveted Silver Sow Award. That's a local newscasting award. And in the uh, event of the banquet, he decides to ask the vivacious, the voluptuous Jennifer, played by the lovely Lonnie Anderson, if she will be his date to the show. And of course, Herb, Herb Tarlick, the station's uh, head sales manager. He's been like, he's been making these smarmy, sleazy moves on Jennifer for like ever. And he gets super duper jealous when he finds out that Jennifer said, yeah, I'll go with you, Les. You seem like a nice guy. But then Les starts getting, like, really tense, really anxious about all this when, uh, when Herb kind of, he kind of brings it to Les's attention. How much of a sex pot, how much of a sex fiend Jennifer is. He tells her that, like, she has a circular bed, and you know what that means. I don't really know what that means. But he tells her he has a circ, she has a circular bed, she has all kinds of freaky stuff. So Les, who is bald, Decides to go out and he gets a toupee. He doesn't just get a toupee. He gets like a full-on wig. This like curly wig. All kinds of hilarity ensues. But they have the date. They have a great time. And then they have sort of like, sort of like a mix-up. At the end of the episode, Les and Herb are talking to each other. And it's kind of, kind of accidentally implied that Les may have gone all the way with Jennifer. And Herb's mind is blown all kinds of hilarity ensued. That episode uh, aired January 22nd, 1979. I was six years old. And then the next one, another one directed by the all-time great, Asad Kalada. It was written by Casey Pitarowski, and it's one that goes by the title of the contest, Nobody Can Win. Thanks to an on-air slip-up by Dr. Johnny Fever, WKRP is forced to offer a $5,000 contest prize instead of the intended $50 prize. The, uh, the idea is they were going to have a contest where they were going to, like, quickly skip through a series of songs. And if you could guess all the songs, you would win 50 bucks. But accidentally... Johnny says 5,000 bucks because he misses the decimal point. So they decide, what are we going to do? So they decide, let's try to make this like impossible. Let's take like the smallest snippets of songs anyone has ever, ever, ever put together. And we'll see what people can do about that. Let's, uh, let's find that snippet right now and we'll play it. And we'll see, uh, if you guys can identify those songs. I for sure myself could not. You win $5,000 if you can name in order the six tunes I'm going to play for you now. Okay, Mrs. Slapner? Now that shouldn't be too hard, should it? Man. That's impossible, or so one would think, but the very next guy who calls in wins the contest. How crazy is that? But then when he shows up, he shows up to win his prize, gets the money, and then he leaves. But then somebody else walks in, and he claims to be the prize winner, and it turns out the whole thing was a scam. The first guy ripped them off. But here's where, here's where it gets interesting. On the DVDs of the shows, the ones that I am watching, you see what I just explained to you. You see somebody come in, scam the money, and then escape. But on the syndicated versions of the show, the ones that aired on TV, you see a completely different actor 
then the guy who played the one who pulled the scam. And then he leaves with the money, but then you see Dr. Johnny Fever come back up the steps with the money. Meaning that, like, you know, at some point he realized something was going on. He went out and he uh, saved the money. I think that's really, really, really interesting. I wonder, I wonder what was behind that. It's like, I'm thinking that the one where the con man got away is maybe, like, the original version. And then the one in which the con man gets, uh, gets caught is maybe, like, the network decided. You can't have an episode where a, where a con man gets away with no consequences. So they kind of reshot it with somebody else in there. I don't know. I think that's really, really, really interesting. I wish that, I wish that I had some recordings of the original ones just to kind of, just to kind of compare and contrast. There's also this really, um, there's like this interesting side, uh, story to the whole thing. Like, one of the central focuses of WKRP is a battle between the old and the young. You got like the Andy Travis, the Johnny Fever, the Venus Flytrap, none of which are actually young. It's kind of like the old versus the old. But then you have, like, the uh, old guard of the station. You know, your Herb, your Les. And they see they see Andy messing things up. So they decide this is, like, the perfect time for them to step in. And they go and they try to make some power moves and get Andy out of the station. And at one point, it kind of looks like Andy might leave. But he doesn't. He stays. But I... I thought this was a really, really good episode. You know, I, I appreciate it. And I hope that you guys... I hope that you guys appreciated hearing a little bit about it. I really hope that you do. But sadly, I'm going to have to get up out of here pretty quick, I think. I, I'm i starting to lose it in my voice. The air is so thick here. It's like there's smoke, there's smog, it's horrible. And I, I'm i kind of fighting coughing this whole entire time. I can feel like... I can feel like this tickle in my throat. I actually wanted to, like, go into this episode a little more in depth. But I wasn't... I wasn't able to manage it, dude. I feel like... I feel like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. And I hope that you guys can appreciate that. I hope that you can appreciate all this. I hope that you appreciate me as much as I appreciate you. You know who's somebody I really appreciate? I appreciate my guy, Phil. My guy, Phil, I gotta send a big shout out to you. You know why. You're an ace in my book. One of the best guys out there. Phil, the lunchbox king extraordinaire. I think that I have like a pretty decent lunchbox collection. But this guy blows me away. He seems like every time he goes to the flea market, he finds an all new, all fun lunchbox. It's like totally devastating. I find maybe like one or two lunchboxes a year. This guy seems like he finds them all the time. Big shout out to you. Big shout out to everybody. Until we meet again, please. Remember the key tenet of the show. That tenet is E-L-E. Everybody love everybody. That's more important than anything we can do. We all got to have love for each other. We all got to be ethical. We all got to have morals. We all got to be good people to the best of our abilities because there's other people out there who aren't. So we got to combat their evil with our good. I think that's really crucial. I think it's important to say every time. ELE, my guys, until we meet again, do the time. Don't let the time do you. Times seem hard right now. But you gotta believe things are getting better. Birds are migrating again. Rains are back. Stuff's, stuff's getting better. Things are getting better. This has been an IC Robots radio production.